that scary girl. Oh, I love your nails. Thanks. I just got them done and I didn't know how I would feel about them because they're, I thought they were going to be like a shade darker with like the pearl color and now they just sort of look like my skin tone. But I like them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty happy I like happy them. With they them. look good. They're so long. They are really long. So nice. I got my toes done too, but it's too cold to show off my toes because it's... 10 degrees. I posted on our Twitter today. Uh, I retweeted from another podcast where they had um, Luke and Han out in the uh, snow with mm-hmm. the Tauntaun saying, this is us going out to podcast. And I was like, yep, here's us in Philly going out to podcast in the nine degree, negative 10 wind chill weather, fucking freezing. I'm going to have you cut open. Oh, there's no animals at Mary Angela's house Well, first to of, stuff me inside I mean, of. I was going to start with. Hey, everybody. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. This is Dead, Dead Time Stories, the cold edition. Um, that makes me think of there was this joke on the, I think it was the Family Guy Star Wars special, where this guy is like telling jokes. <laughs> He's like, Hoth, more like cold. I'm on up after the band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on up. I got a, I got a five minute set after the okay, band. If you guys want to stick around, do you guys want to hear something new or that same song? Play that same song. Okay. Speaking of Star Wars, Teresa has a Star Wars themed wedding. She does. You guys might remember Teresa from Guestoberfest. Yeah, Guestoberfest. Was she our second guest after Josh? I know Josh was our first guest. Was she our second or our third? You listeners, write us and tell us. I feel like it was her. It was Josh, then her, then Teresa, then Dory. Who was her? Her was Teresa. You said Colleen. Her and then Colleen. So she was third. Then Dory, then... No, she was second. You said Josh, Colleen. Teresa, Colleen. Okay. Okay. Dory, Mm -hmm. Aaron. Aaron. Right? Yeah. Look it up. Tell us if we're wrong. Welcome yeah, let to the us podcast. know. Hey guys, we really have everything together. New year, new organization. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, we're working on we've business been tidying cards. up with Marie Kondo. We have. <laughs> but that's just our clothes. My car is full of stuff. I didn't get the chance to go to the affiliate thrift. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. But my car is full of clothing, and then one of the bags fell over, so that's fun. Aww. But I got rid of. I got rid of like maybe a quarter of my clothing. Wow. Like I got rid of a lot of stuff. Good job. I felt really good about it. You should. Especially because I'm, Sarah knows I'm a borderline hoarder. I'm she a is. big clutterer. Um, and I get really emotional about throwing things away. Like it's very difficult for me. So hashtag hoarder. Hashtag hoarder. Borderline. Hashtag, hashtag borderline. borderline. Um, borderline. Um, so, so it was nice to be able to just be like, thank you. And put it and down. T- and put it down. And be like, you know what? Like yeah. you've served me well, but like it's, it's we're done here, and that's okay. It's true. Thank you. It's true. So, yeah. well, Stephanie, do you have anything new to tell our listeners? Oh yeah, um, I'm doing a uh, we're doing a revival performance of Hedwig. This is actually super exciting. So on Valentine's Day here in Philadelphia at Voyeur, we're doing Hedwig. And what's crazy? Uh, that's still super. That, that's exciting in and of itself, but. <laughs> What's even more exciting is that the next night on February 15th, 
We're going to be in New York City at the Lori Beachman Theater. Bah, 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 bah. Stephanie Curtison is making her uh, New York debut. So, And it's funny because I lived in New York for three years and fucking never worked a show. So here I am. All you got to do is move to Philly. All you got to do is move to Philly. Uh, so that's really, really, really cool. If you're interested in tickets, um, reach out on social media to us, slide into our DMs. Hopefully you'll slide into my DMs, my personal DMs, S-C-K-E-R-N-I-S-A-N. That's S-C Kernison. Uh, that's me on Insta if you want to hit me up. Um, but I'll have ticket info in my bio at some point. I just don't yet. But yeah, so Philadelphia um, on February 14th and New York City on February 15th, motherfuckers. Bah, 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 bah. So that's really exciting. We're really excited for Stephanie. I saw Sarah's show. She did. She came and saw my show on Friday. And I laughed really hard. She really did. There was also a lot of, psst, girl, that's my bitch. Yo, girl. You but loved, I stayed you focused. You fucking loved it. I stayed focused. She loved it. I'm a professional. It was fantastic. She did call me a bitch, right? And I was like, well, she loved it. I did. She I did. Of it. But if you've listened to the podcast enough, you know that bitch is a term of endearment, which I've realized when talking to other people, girls that I've just met, they I probably shouldn't throw it out. Bitch. Yeah. I've realized it's usually my first reaction of just like, and then you're like, bitch! oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I mean that. That's a very. I mean that nicely. I call everybody girl, and I only feel awkward about it when I'm talking to somebody who's kind of like transmasculine. So if you're like, if you're like a straight cis dude, and I, I'm like girl, and I don't think anything of it. And if you're like a lady, I don't think anything of it. But if you're somebody who's like, I'm not a lady, like I'm transitioning, then I feel bad because I'm like, no, I don't think of you as a girl. I'm just, I call everybody girl. I'm really sorry. You. And I'm like, right, friend? (laughs) Dude. You. I lean for dude. Y'all. People tend to think of as more gender neutral. Mm, I like y'all. Y'all is good. I've been trying to, and I'm a southerner, so I use y'all anyway, but I'm trying to lean away from guys. Hey, guys. I know, because when you live up north, they jump on you the second you drop a y'all. Where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you? Where are you? What are you doing up here? So you sort and of train so yourself to not be like the most Guh, sense you guys. Yeah, y'all. It's a conjunction. Yes, it's you all, y'all. It makes so much. It's no. It makes perfect sense, and everyone should be on board with it. I feel like this isn't the first time we've had this discussion on the podcast. Oh, probably not. Definitely. <laughs> so speaking of, y'all, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? That was good. Got him. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Today I'm talking about the legend of Mall Dyer in Maryland. Okay. Ooh. It is kind of a ghost story. I'm taking it back. Ghost stories. It's not as heavy as my last story because my last story was very heavy. heavy. And I appreciate you guys for hanging on and listening to that. I won't do something that crazy to you. For maybe like two episodes, but like it's coming back. Today's it's gonna coming be back. yeah. Today's gonna be light. Today is gonna be a, a good day. Too, but it's not. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, that's that song that was for that movie we made. It was all right. So Mall Dyer. In 1697, we're taking it back to colonial days, Maul Dyer lived by herself in a cottage on the outskirts of oh, Maul is a person's name. Maul, yeah. Can you spell that for me? M O L L. Like Molly Molly? minus the Y. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Like they didn't finish it. Like Mall, and they died. Mall, Mall. That's it. Okay. So Mall Dyer lived by herself in a cottage on the outskirts of Leonardtown, Maryland. Okay. 
She was a spinster. She lived alone, growing and farming herbs and then selling that to the townspeople. So she lived on the outskirts of town in a cottage she made by herself, wasn't married, no kids. All right. In the 1700s. So So she's a witch. There you go. So the townspeople found her odd, but they would leave her alone. But everyone kind of assumed that, you know, she's a witch. She's a witch. She's a witch. So there's multiple accounts describing what she looked like. You, of course, have your account that says that she looks like an old hag. She's ugly, like a typical witch. And then you have the other stories that say that she's like a pretty young lady who just, you know, never married and was sort of on her own. Um, But because she was a spinster, she was still considered a witch. So take it as you will, whether she was probably just an average looking person, honestly, but she was a witch. But in uh, 1654, witch trials began in Maryland, but the townspeople continued to leave Maul alone. So they kind of considered her to be odd and considered her to be like, psst, that girl's a witch. Oh, yeah, definitely. But they didn't put her on trial. They were like, whatever. She lives on the outskirts of town. She's not bothering us. We'll leave her alone. And that is until 1697, which is where our story starts. The winter of 1697 hit Leonardtown really hard. And they suffered a lot. A lot of people died. A lot of people got sick. Um, You lost a lot of crops. You lost a lot of livestock. And along with all of that, there was an epidemic going through the town, which most likely was influenza. Um, So combined with the winter and the sickness and all of the death, the people were like, what's causing this? Oh, it's probably the witch. So people were getting up, getting down with the sickness. They and were, pff, they weren't getting up so much. They were just getting down, down with the sickness. Like, she's the witch. They were like, she's the witch. She gave us all the sickness. She gave us the sickness. And they we're all down. We're cold. At her and they were all like, Ooh-ah-ah-ah. what were they like? Ooh-ah-ah-ah. One more time. Ooh-ah-ah-ah. There you go. Or if you're the guy from that karaoke video, Ooh-ah-ah-ah-ah. Google it. It's, I don't I get it. that it's reference. Amazing. It's amazing. Google it for me, you guys. Um, so, of course, there's a logical explanation of all the hardships hitting the town, which is the witch living on the outskirts, who Maul was unaffected by the sickness because she lived away from everyone. And, you know, the winter didn't hit her as hard because she was probably prepared. Right. All these things have logical explanations, but they all... But of course they mean that she's a witch. Right. For sure. For sure. Duh. So, legend has it that on one of the coldest winter nights... Legend has it. I didn't say rumor. I said legend. legend. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Uh, On the coldest winter nights, uh, the town folk formed a mob with pitchforks and torches. I'm picturing Beauty and the Beast. Of course. So stay with me here. Kill the witch. I was going to say kill the witch. Right. Right. Uh, And they went to chase uh, or capture a mall. So they wanted to get her. When they arrived at her cottage, she wouldn't come out. So they sat her home on fire. Duh. Uh, completely bypassing the trial and going straight to just burning her. So they just were like, get out here. And she's like, no. And they're like, come here. She's like, no. And so they set her home on fire. fire. Get the fuck out. But she was a witch. So she ran. So she ran out of the house and she got she got away and she ran into the woods. Did she put the fucking fire out? No, that'd be crazy. I wish that story was that good. But no. She made it rain, literally. (laughs) No, she just made it run. She She ran. ran. She ran. She made it ran Ran. for it. She ran. So she ran away and she escaped into the woods. That's no What's that from? from Oh. So she ran (laughs) into the woods. (laughs) 
I don't have anything to add to that. She ran into the woods hoping to save her life, but even though she is a witch, she is no match to freezing weather and inclement weather. Like tonight. Girl, so yeah. So imagine a night like tonight if all of a sudden people showed up and they were like, you're a witch. We're setting Mary Angela's house on fire. And we're like, fuck, we got to run away. We would die. We would die out in the cold. If we lived in the woods. We don't live in the woods. We live by an Acme. So we'd run to the Acme. Yeah, we run to our cars. But if it was 1697, we we would be running into the woods. And we would freeze to death. So they burned her house down. And days after the house was just reduced to embers, a boy walking in the woods found Maul Dyer frozen dead to a rock, kneeling as if in prayer with one hand clutching the rock and the other hand outstretched to the heavens, almost as if she was praying and or cursing the town. And that's how they found her. So, of course, the townspeople believed that in Maul's final moments, she She spent that time cursing the town and that that curse still haunts the town of Leonardtown, Maryland to this day. Fuck them. It's said that the men involved with the burning of her home soon suffered terrible misfortune. Excellent. Some got deathly ill and died. Some lost all of their livestock. Some lost all of their crops. And it's also rumored that the curse has even spanned generations and to this day continues to plague the distant relatives of the men involved in her killing. Sure, they didn't lose all those things at the time because it was a fucking horribly freezing cold. Sure, yeah, and there was an epidemic of influenza and probably a whole bunch of other issues and things like that. But it was definitely the curse of this one woman who you burned to death and she had to run away. But sure, yeah, no, it's it's her fault, not yours. Right. Um, So also the land where her cottage once stood will no longer support vegetation. You cannot grow crops there. You cannot grow anything of any sustenance on that land. And it's also... I'm spiteful. Listen, I'm like, good. Good. Yeah, no, don't get anything out of that. Good. 300 years later, fuck y'all. Fuck you guys. Fuck your whole town. Oh, we're at all 320 years later. Yeah. 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 So uh, it is rumored that people have seen a lady in white walking around the grounds where her cottage once stood. Yep. It's rumored that uh, people have seen a gray mist sort of in the figure of a body floating around. So there's belief that Maul is still around that area. It's also rumored that people have gotten into car wrecks on the road alongside where where her land is. And people go there and suddenly have like incontrollable feelings of like anger, malice, things like that on the land where she was. Okay. Creaking footsteps above them is it that Maul? kind of shit is it Maul Dyer girl girl we're on your side oh never mind it's Halen alright fast forward to 1972 <laughs> 1972 a Philip Love became interested in the tale and supposedly he tracked down the exact rock that Maul Dyer froze to death on and he knew that it was the rock because the imprint of her hand and her knees was still visible and embedded in the stone. He had the stone moved to the old colonial jail in front of the courthouse in Leonardtown, and it still sits there to this day. So you can go and visit the stone in front of the old jail in Leonardtown, Maryland, and it is there. Can you touch it? You can touch it. However, the imprints are no longer visible. But 
it says that people who touch the stone tend to feel very ill, get sick, or feel dizzy. It's also said that people who take pictures of the rock or around the rock, their photographs end up developing blurry or have some sort of a mist around them. So that's your legend. The legend is that this woman was burned at the stake, or not burned, her woman's cottage was burned. She ran for her life, froze to death on a rock, apparently cursing the town, and the stone now sits in front of the jailhouse, and she still roams her land and has cursed the stone. Now, facts about that area, because of course we did know names of colonial people who came over, and there were still some bookkeeping and book records happening. So we know for a fact that there is evidence that supports a mall dyer being in the town of Leonardtown during the 1600s. Okay. It shows that her family came over on a ship in 1677. And the town also recorded that there was a great epidemic in the winter of 1697, which we're assuming refers to the illness and the winter, the crazy weather. Also, it's known that there was a fire in 1831, so most documentation was burned up. But in the papers they do have still remaining from those original original documents, it shows that Maul Dyer's house had been burned. There is proof of her existence, so we know that, and there's proof of her house being burned. And there's the rock that they say really is the rock. So we feel like we have pretty factual evidence that this woman did exist and that this horrible thing did happen to her. But whether or not she was a witch and whether or not she put a curse on the town and whether or not she still roams the land searching for the men who did this to her, that's up to you to decide. What is it from uh, the Dime Museum? If you learn something, it's That's your right. own fault. Yeah, that makes me think of, um, I like that you have all that stuff to prove at least like she was a real person and she really had a house and it really burned down. Yeah. Because um, I remember you telling me about that house where like there was just a bunch of really horrible things that happened. Yes. There, and there was like a cold and stuff. The Congolier like, Mansion. But maybe this house didn't even ever but exist. But it never existed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay, well. But it's a great story. But no, yeah, this is, you know, we don't know if she actually was a witch we don't know if she really put a curse and to be honest we don't know if she actually froze in that position on the rock but we know that she existed we know that her house burned down and we know that legend rumor has it that she (laughs) froze to death attached to a rock and they say that you can still see her spirit wandering her grounds to this day so that's the legend of mall dyer of maryland damn if you learn something, it's your own fault. How about them apples? How about them rocks? Cold rocks? Frozen rocks? On the rocks. It was a stretch. It was frozen. Do you want it frozen or on the rocks? She was both. Mm. She was frozen on the rocks. And that leads us into our promo this week. Go for it. Take it away, girls. It's our last time featuring our friends over at They Mostly Podcast at Night. I'm going to kill you. Are you serious? <laughs> Mostly. I wasn't going to say it, but then you looked at me forever. Mostly. I was going to let it happen, but then you just looked at me and I was like, this is funny. We're going to let this happen. Take it away, ladies. 
Chaos and Carnage made a podcast, and things went awry. That's right. This is Chaos and Carnage reminding you to stay bloodthirsty, friends, and make sure you check out our horror movie review podcast, They Mostly Podcast at Night. Posted every Monday night, we explore the farthest edges of the horror genre. Come to us for all things spooky and settle in for our bicker and banner that has marinated for the last 20 years. You can find us on iTunes, Anchor.fm, and Stitcher. And make sure you follow our social media at Podcast at Night for all the up-to-date news. We will be waiting for you. So yeah, check out Chaos and Carnage over at They Mostly Podcast at Night. We love them. We've loved having them as promo partners. This was our last time featuring them, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go check them out. Or that we won't partner with them in the future sometimes. Exactly. And also, if you have a podcast and you like us and you want to partner with us, shoot us an email and reach out. We love being friends with people, even though we talk about ghosts and murder. Stephanie Wood and dicks. But I mean, friends talk about dicks. Friends talk about dicks. Friends talk about dicks. If you're if you don't talk about dicks, are you really a real friend? If you can't talk about dicks, how the hell are you gonna talk about somebody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? I know you're real excited about it, and I, I'm really excited to hear it. I am really excited about it. So hit us. I have to say that this is outside of what we normally talk about in that it's not it is still it's super bizarre and I can't wait to talk about it. But nobody died. So it's not like a like a death thing. All right, never mind. I don't want to listen. But it's a <laughs> true crime and I'm really excited about it. So first I'm gonna start by asking you, what do you know about the fire festival? <laughs> about this yes. i've been wanting to watch the documentaries for days and i I've haven't done it yet you watched both of Twice. them i know that it was uh this guy said there was going to be this music festival and all these rich people bought tickets and then it never happened but he still took all the money right. that's, that's interesting <laughs> right. so now when it happened originally i remember following the fallout on like social media. Yeah, whenever I was, was just like, like what, what is the this? fuck? What happened? Who was there? What's going on? Oh my god, are and, you serious? And it was really crazy, okay? Tickets were anywhere from $1500 to $250,000. Jesus Christ, I didn't know that were that much. <gasps> For like a private villa parentheses that didn't exist. It didn't exist. None of it existed. Okay, so, okay, you got to start because I have questions. Keep going. Okay, I'm really glad that you have questions because I'm like, I hope you have lots of questions because I just want to answer questions, but I'm going to talk Hold about Hold on, let me get my first. pen because I want to write them down as I think of oh, them Oh, please too. do. So I'll start by telling you a little bit about the drama around the two documentaries <laughs> because, of course, there's drama around the documentaries as well. So the uh, Netflix made a big deal. They were both working on these documentaries at the same time. But Netflix made a big deal at the beginning of December about how they were releasing this documentary on January 18th. Okay. And it was huge. Like everybody was like curious. And I was like, I can't wait because I remember when that happened. And I, I have to understand what happened. Like how did this even like what what went wrong? Like what happened here? And I was on Hulu. <laughs> I was like, and I was like on Hulu, and one of the first things it showed me one day was it was like fire fraud, the fa- the documentary about fire festival, and I was like, oh, I thought I, I thought, thought I thought it was Netflix that was doing the fire documentary, and then I googled it. By the way, this is fire with a Y. If you're not familiar, F Y R E. So I googled it, and 
Netflix had made this big deal about how they were going to drop it on the 18th. It's dropping on the 18th. So Hulu didn't announce theirs and just they announced that they were working on it, but didn't announce when it was coming out. And they dropped it on the 15th. Oh, my God. No announcement. What a petty bitch. I know. Hulu's a petty bitch. So Hulu just dropped it on the 15th. Damn Hulu. Okay, so there's that. So there's already drama there. So then there's controversy around who worked on the two uh, different documentaries. So they're not billed. Huh? Who worked on it isn't billed? Like they're not laid out who worked on each one? Or yeah. did it overlap? N- so there's some. There's some contributors, some people, some talking heads that are in both. Okay. But the actual directors and creators of them. So uh, Fire, The Greatest Party That Never Happened, which is the one on Netflix, and Fire Fraud is the one for Hulu. Um, Fire for Netflix was produced with a lot of people from Fuck Jerry, uh, or who they now call themselves just Jerry Media. But um, if you're not familiar, Fuck Jerry just makes a lot of memes and stuff, and they are a social media marketing company. And Fuck Jerry did all of the promotion for Fire Festival. So... The one for Netflix is kind of a behind the scenes, the people who did, who did it kind PR. of telling you their perspective and what happened. Okay. And then the one from Hulu kind of shits on that one because they're like, first of all, it's biased because they worked with the people who made that event happen, who marketed that event. So like that's fucked up. But uh, Billy McFarland, which is the the guy who him and Ja Rule, which we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Billy McFarland is the person who was behind these events, right? Um, and Hulu got an actual interview with Billy McFarland. So they actually got him before – this was before his trial was done. Yeah. So before he was found guilty and went to jail, they got an interview with him. Spoiler alert. And they paid him an unspecified amount of money. He says it was $250,000. Everyone says he's a fucking liar. So like, we don't know that we believe it was, it was that much. It was $250. But it was probably somewhere between $100,000 <laughs> and $250,000. Damn. So people with the Netflix documentary are like, you can poo-poo us for working with Fuck Jerry, but you gave money to Billy McFarland. Period. Like, like Netflix had talked to him about doing an interview and he told them, well, Hulu's paying me $250,000. Like, what are you guys going to pay me? And they were like, nothing. Never mind. No, never mind. And he mind. was like, I'll do it for 100000 And they were like, no, we're we not. We saw what happened last time people paid you. They're like, we're not giving you money. <laughs> so both have, oh like, kind of their own, like, kind of little controversy around them, okay. right? Um, so there's... You know, people shitting on both, but I'm like obsessed. And if this is a but question I shit of, on both of equally. Whether you should watch one or the other, if you're only gonna watch one, I'd say watch the Netflix one, but watch both of them. <laughs> like, do watch both of them. So, Fire Festival was this big, or was supposed to be this big musical event, like, um, like on the level of like a Woodstock or a Coachella or a Burning Man, like this giant music festival. In the Bahamas for two weekends um, in April, at the end of April, beginning of May. And the whole thing with the Fire Festival was the Fire Festival was supposed to promote this app called Fire, which Fire, the app, was actually a really great idea that completely now got ruined because of Damn. the Fire Festival. So the Fire app, 
um, was a booking app for musical talent. So, like, if you are, you know, super rich or whatever, and you want to hire Cardi B or Ja Rule or you want to hire whoever, you want to book them to work your event, you can book them through this app. So, basically, they have kind of their rate and their calendar, and you pick the night that works for you. You play out, like, how you're going to pay, what's going to happen. You send an offer, and then they can accept, and you've booked your artist straight through the app. Sure. That's actually really brilliant, yeah. I think. Yeah. And they were talking about how um, <laughs> Billy McFarland had this company before Fire called Magnesis. And Magnesis was this metal credit card that came with some other perks. Like there was this townhouse that if you were a member of Magnesis, you could go stay at this. You could bring friends to this townhouse or whatever. Um, different like deals at clubs and stuff. But essentially... It was a metal credit card that looked really cool, and it made a loud thunk when you dropped it on the counter. And women were like, ooh, what's that? What do you do for a living? That was Magnesis. Cool. So, Party. when people, when he, was, when he was creating fire, and people were like, "Who? well, who's Billy McFarland? And people were like, he's the visionary behind Magnesis. And people were like, What's magnesis? What's magnesis? Is it an illness? Do I have it? <laughs> Can you contract it Can sexually? Can you contract it? <laughs> um, Do I need a condom right now? So there's this story that Christina told me about because she watched it before I did. And I was like, girl, don't tell me too much because I'm going to watch these documentaries. Um, that Billy McFarlane tells about how he met Ja Rule. And Christina gave me this perspective on it that just is really hilarious to me. So he tells this story about how he reached out. To, he was saying everybody knew he was trying to reach Ja Rule for whatever reason. He was trying to like book Ja Rule. That, for was, his that. One, that was his one. That mark. was his artist that he chose. <laughs> that he Out chose. of all the artists, yes. he chose Ja, ja Rule. Rule. Right. All right, let's just think for a was, second. Before you give this man any money, look at his choices. 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 So he's like, I want to meet Ja Rule. And somebody reached out to him on Instagram and was like, I can get you Jaw Rule for 50 bucks. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, all right, and gave that guy 50 bucks. And then Jaw Rule never showed. Or no, it wasn't 50 bucks. I think it was like 500 bucks. I was like, 50 bucks Christina makes sense because it's Jaw Rule. Christina told me 50 bucks when she told the story. It was 500 bucks, okay? He gave the guy 500 bucks. That's a, a lot for Jaw Rule. A week I'd later, pay 50. The, the guy brings a different guy, and that guy's like, I can get you Jaw Rule for $1,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was like, all right. So he paid that guy $1,000, and nobody introduced him to Jaw Rule. And everybody laughed about this story, and then they moved on. But they never actually explained how he did meet Ja Rule. They were just like, he finally paid $100,000 in said Ja Rule. That she thinks he like he screenshotted those conversations with the other two people and then sent them to Ja Rule on Instagram. And was like, hey, like, I've been trying to, like, are these your he people? He slid like, into his DMs. To, like, do, right. And then oh the other God. idea that Christina said she thought she had, which made me laugh even harder, was she was like, what if that story even never actually happened? And these are texts he sent between friends, like set this conversation up, took the screenshot, and then messaged that to Ja Rule. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Christina. He's a brilliant genius if that's what he did. Well, and that's the whole question around this is, is, is he... he- Is he, like, this other level, like, genius who, like, just didn't get away with it? Or is he, like, just completely 
like a delusional, like complete idiot who like didn't realize what was that this couldn't happen. It's crazy that there's such a fine line between those two things, isn't it? It's infuriating. So it's a lot like watching a real. There are things about it. It's a lot like a real Arrested Development. Oh, like real no. life Arrested Development kind of story. And what I kept saying to Christina was, I was like, not by how he looks, just by his actions. I was like, I cannot help but feel like this guy is a little baby Trump. Like, he's just a little baby Trump. And the only difference is that things played out live on social media and went viral that, like, I think that's the only difference that made in this. Like, if it weren't this big phenomenon that everybody was looking at because of all the names and artists that were involved, I feel like he could have gotten away with it. Because, like I said, no one died. Yeah. No one murdered. Nobody was in, like... lost a lot of money. They lost a ton of money, and then they... But it was rich people to begin with. They trapped these people on an island, and they couldn't get away. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Right. So, moving on, right? So... So initially, so they John trapped Rule, these rich people on, on an, an island. island. Yes, these rich people. Okay, all right, keep going. So, I'm sorry. So there's there's many people you consider victims of the of the fire festival fiasco. The only people I genuinely feel sorry for are the people who worked at Fire, the actual app that had absolutely nothing to do with the festival, and the people on the island in the Bahamas who labored and didn't get paid. I saw something about that where people were like, there's a GoFundMe for a woman in a restaurant who lost a lot of money. She spent her life savings paying the workers in the Bahamas (gasps) because no one paid her from the fire festival. Oh, my God. And she's in the interview and she like, you know, she doesn't like sob about it, but she gets, you know, upset. Of course, she lost everything. But like she talks about how she paid out everybody out of her own personal savings account and like wiped it out. Like paying people because the festival didn't pay anybody. Yeah. Those are the people you feel bad for. You don't feel bad for the fuck Jerry people. No. And the mess they got themselves into. But anyway. Or the people who paid for the tickets and got stranded. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, that's just funny. I wish there had been it more is, cameras. And it's really, there's a lot about the schadenfreude and, and a lot of talk about millennials. And here's another thing I really want to point out about these two documentaries that really irked me. Because they talk a lot about millennials and who this was sold to and who this was popular with. And I want to differentiate between the fact that there are there are like entitled, mostly white rich kid trust fund millennials, those were the victims of this. And then there are, like, the other, like, 99% of millennials that are people, like, you and me living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I was and like, like so no savings account in horrible debt. We're talking about, like, Ivanka and Trump Jr. got duped into doing this. Should we feel bad about them being stuck on an island? No. It was a lot of... Um, it was a lot of influencers, people who are of famous course. for being yes. on Instagram and, and like have a big following. Those are like a lot of the people that were there. No, like, <laughs> I was gonna say, no, like, real, real people. celebrities, right? That's what I was gonna say. Cause they They're talked about the celebrity people. power. So, what sold this was before it happened, right? Mm-hmm. They went to go film a promo video. So, Ja Rule. I don't think had any idea of what was happening on the business level. Like he was there as a face. Like he was there. He was to the tie talent. The music to the corporation to tie the two together so you you see them right. So basically, what happened is Billy McFarland and Ja Rule um, hired a team of people. I think from Fuck Jerry to go down and just film them partying with a bunch of models. 
and then to use whatever footage they had to make a commercial. Okay, you guys can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard it hurts me. So they had like um, like Bella Hadid, and then this girl whose name I can never pronounce, Emily who was in the Blurred Lines video, like that girl, Haley Baldwin, like a of bunch course. of like young like models. You mean Haley Bieber, Bieber. girl? Anyway, so they have all these models with them, and they literally had no shooting schedule, no plans, nothing. They're just drinking on the beach and riding jet skis and hanging out on a boat. And these girls have no idea what they're there for. Like, they just know they're there for this shoot, okay? So then they're just supposed to take this footage of people partying and make an ad with it. (laughs) They film it, like, all weekend. They go to, like, Pig Island and feed the pigs, which... Like, bite people. Like, they don't know what they're doing. Somebody tried to give them beer. Like, they were shitty, just shitty, Tried to give the pigs beer? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, like, just the shittiest people. So then they make this ad, and the ad is literally just a montage of, like, models on the beach and jet skis, and, like, every now and then you see, like, a band playing. (laughs) (laughs) It was the worst music video ever. It's how they're selling you. It's not just a music festival, right? They're selling you this entire experience experience where it's this luxury getaway. You're going to the Bahamas with all these models, and you're going to fucking party and see Blink-182, and, like... (laughs) gonna happen right so so they filmed this promo video and they're talking about setting up this festival mind you a festival like this needs a minimum of 12 months really 18 to 12 months to make this happen and they have this idea and they're trying to make it happen in like six months okay (laughs) girl and the island that they're talking about, so they're on this island called Norman's Key. And he said something about how, like, they bought it and they had rights to it forever, which they was not true. They bought the island? No. Yeah, okay, go for it. But that's yourself. what they kept saying. Like, we bought this island, right? Sure, okay, you did. You bought so the island. There was this whole thing about how Pablo Escobar used to own this island, right? <laughs> Big drug runner, um, murdered people. So the person who owns the island is really trying to get away from that image of like So they hooked drug up runners. with the fire festival. So they were like, Festival here, sure, that sounds great. Aww. Please don't tell anybody about the pat like we're trying really to like rebrand. We don't Aww. want anybody to know. Right. Well, in the ad, it flat out says, On Pablo Escobar's private island. And they were like, Cool, you can't have that festival here. <laughs> So they lost their location. So they lost their location. So what did they do? Well, they stranded you, people somewhere. Mind you, while they were having this like plan to, to to use this island, there was a person who was like, "We don't. This island is a, it's a deserted island. It does not have the in- infrastructure to house a thousand people. Like, there's no plumbing. There's not like we can't do that." And he was like, "What you should do is you should have a cruise ship, and everyone stays on the cruise ship offshore." And, like, at night, that's where they sleep and stuff, but, like, they come to the festival in the daytime on the island, and then they can go back at night. And, like, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So then they were like, it's been great working with you. We're hiring somebody else. So this is this is what reminds me of Trump. But this is what kept happening was, like, every time somebody would tell them, like, this is not enough time to do this grand-scale festival that you're trying to make happen, they would be like, that's cool. We'll hire somebody else. And they would let that person go. And the core, who they called like the core team of people that was brought on to organize this, were brought on in like, with, like two weeks. I was going to say, well, within like, within like four months, not even. Like the last round of people was hired on in like February. And this was supposed to happen at the end of April. Okay. 
<laughs> so there's all that, right? So then instead they find a location on this island called Great Exuma Island, which already has a hotel there. The Sandals Resort is there. <laughs> um, so they find a little part of this island that is blocked off because it's supposed to be being made into like a parking lot. So it's like a lot of like unfinished like gravel and concrete and shit. There's no villas. They paved paradise. They paid a couple people who own homes on the island lot. to like use their own home, almost like an Airbnb. Oh my god! To rent it out to influencers that are coming in. But for the most part, they sold villas they didn't have. Cool. And it was these basically like hurricane tents, these like white plastic PVC tents that they put up and like air mattresses and shit. Okay. I'm so, sure the rich influencers really love. It gets that. better. It gets better. So all that is happening, right? And everyone is telling them, like, we need to stop this festival. And by the way, the, the the way that they went viral, too, is with all this advertising with Fuck Jerry. And they got all these influencers, besides the models, who, like, took pictures and were, like, hashtag fire festival, like, when they were out doing their promotional shoot. Sure. Um, they hired a bunch of influencers to just post this orange square, which they were talking about how it took over Instagram, which I'm like, I didn't see it, but I don't follow... Bella Hadid and Kylie Jenner and like all these people right exactly and I was like I didn't see this but apparently a bunch of people did Um, and the big one was um, was Kendall Jenner and how they paid her and that she gets paid this $250,000 for this single Instagram post of the orange square that's like check out fire festival I have to throw I'm sorry $250,000 $250,000 for an Instagram for post Instagram of an post. orange square? Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? That was, yes. I'm No, I'm not kidding you. I'm 100% serious. And one of the ladies who was interviewed in the Hulu documentary, who is like a social media strategist, was like, honestly, 250 is a steal for the marketing, that for the following that she has, for the reach that she has with a single post, $250,000. And that one was like, for Kendall Jenner, that's a steal. And I was like, I hate Ugh. America. Right. So this is what made me so angry about. I'm sorry. I, I think I might have just made my hand bleed, putting my nails into my hand. Oh, my God. This is what infuriated me the most about how they kept talking about the average millennial. Because I was like, this is not. This is wrong. This is a lie. average millennial. Like, your average millennial is fucking trying to find ways to pay for their groceries and their rent. Right. Like, fuck you. That's disgusting. I know. I am on an income-based repayment for my student loan. Like, Boo! I paid four thousand dollars and slept in a wet tent. Like, girl, I boo fucking who four thousand dollars would get me out of credit card debt? Go fuck yourself! Right? Fuck you. So anyway, you guys want to support our Patreon? We're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Fire. (laughs) So they sold out over ninety percent of their tickets in the first forty-eight hours after that post. Yeah. So who are these people? How do we get? their social security numbers and steal their identities because this is fucking ridiculous. Oh, honey, they weren't done trying to get money out of them with Fire Festival. So, there's a there's this hero. Hero's a strong word. Hero Andy sounds King, like a real... Who calls himself the Billy Whisperer and he tells probably the most outrageous story that you will hear from any singular person and I debate whether or not I want to say it because I'm like, I might want to say it, make make you like watch the thing, 
but fuck it, I'm gonna tell you. Just butt fuck it. Whoa. His so he tells and he I don't know if he thought he was implying that this was supposed to be off the record, which if you want something off the record, don't say it while anything is still rolling ever. <laughs> Anytime somebody there's a video Yo, of someone who's like, but this part's off the record. No, it's not. All the things are still rolling. And I he was like, I don't think this will go that far. Girl, it's all anybody's talking about about anything that you said. There were four trucks of Evian water that were supposed to be coming in that were stuck with customs. And he wasn't at the customs meeting because he was doing another business thing for his real job. Um, And this guy is like, he's been in the business for like 30 years. He's an older guy, okay? Um, And he was just like somebody who'd been working with Billy for a long time who had like a lot of faith in him. Um, Oh, no. And he was like, he's this young, brilliant entrepreneur. Like, I've seen him do a lot of great things. So he's been like helping with this festival, right? So he wasn't there for the customs meeting, and basically they owed $175,000 in taxes for customs to get this water release. For water? For drinking water for the festival. All right. And they didn't have that money. And so he, Billy, called up Andy King and said to him, like, Andy, like, you have helped us so much. Like, you're our great, like, gay leader, and we need you to take one for the team Will you go suck the custom officer's dick to get us the four trucks of water? No, he didn't. Are you kidding me? Yes. I'm, I'm not kidding you. And he said where he was like, did I he do it? Did he do it? Did he do it? He was like, I went home. I took a shower. I took some mouthwash. And I was like, I was ready to do this. <gasps> and I went down there and talked to him. And the guy was like, this is a necessary just promise me I'll be the first one paid when you guys get the money. Like we'll <gasps> release the trucks. And he was like, can you believe I was going to do it? He, he was, was going like, to suck a dick for Billy. He was going to suck a dick to save, gonna suck a dick to save the fire festival. Right. It's the most, like, of all the things that anybody tells you, you're just that. There's so many jaw-dropping moments. <laughs> and that's when you were like, oh, my God. Um. So all these people kept asking to cancel the festival, cancel the festival. Billy wouldn't have it. Billy wouldn't have it. So here it comes. He was like, who's going to suck my dick? (laughs) So the day, it's like the the night before everybody is supposed to arrive and all these people who've tried to get him to cancel are all there and they're staying in this house together. And out of nowhere, it just starts pouring rain. Like monsoon. Like God was like, somebody, all right, we're done. Someone described it as an act of God. Somebody was like, I saw it happened. And I was like, this is an act of God. And a lot of the people were like, honestly, we all like it started happening. And we realized like how much it was raining and it wasn't going to stop. And they just started like hysterically laughing and like sobbing (gasps) like just laughing and sobbing like what are we gonna do like we can't stop it they're coming they're coming and we don't have a way to get them home and they're gonna be trapped here like what are we gonna do and they were just like here they come and the people came (gasps) and the first like 300 people got there and they didn't take them to the campsite right away. They were like, they took of them to this woman, the woman who you were, ta- we were talking about, this woman who they raised money for, who was supposed to be like, you know, catering and helping the event, whatever. They just sent everybody over to her restaurant. And they told her like 20 minutes before they got there, hey, we're sending everybody your way. Oh, no. So like 
these people just come and are just surrounding the restaurant. And they're the awful, they're awful people. They're all awful, rich, mostly white people, yes. And they're all just getting, like, drunk and drinking and drinking and drinking all night and, like, all day until somebody will put them on a bus and take them over to the campsite. Oh, my God. So then they put them on a bus. And they take them to the campsite and they see these tents. And they're supposed to be staying in these like luxury villas and they've paid thousands of dollars. And they're in hurricane shelter tents (laughs) where the mattresses are soaking wet. Everything is wet. It's all wet, right? So at first they had a situation where they were trying to like check people in and organize them. And Billy was just up on a table letting people ask him questions. And Billy was just like, if you have a villa, just grab a tent. And then these people just descend onto the tents, and there's all this footage where it was a fucking chaotic free for all. Oh my god, I want to see it. Is it in the documentary? Yes, which it's in one? Both of them. Both, it's in both of them. Oh. Of people just going nuts, like trying to grab tents, trying to grab tents. They don't want to be people. in the rain. Well, it's not at this point. It's not raining, but like the tents are the only place to stay. <gasps> there are no there are no villas. There's nothing here. There's just these tents. Just grab a tent. So, right. So there's this mad, just madness of people descending on the tents, right? And people taking mattresses from tents and putting them in other tents <gasps> and doing all sorts of shit. The word, and I hate fuck Billy. Obviously, he's the worst person. But the shittiest thing that I heard anybody say was one of these like fucking social media influencer kids said that him and his friends, they didn't want anyone staying in tents around them. So they ransacked the tents around them, like cutting them and like fucking flipping mattresses. And his friend like peed in some of them. Right. I was like fucking barbaric, horrible. Because they're shit. fucking rich kids. Because they're fucking they're rich awful. kids who are entitled. And oh my God, it made me so angry. That made me angrier than anything that anybody said. Because I was like, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. Anyway. And then they were talking about how, like, as nightfall came, like, all the, like, niceties and camaraderie was done. Like, people were just fucking mad and, like, crazy. There's no electricity, no lights, like, nothing. And they're just here. And then somebody took a picture, and that's what, like, really destroyed the festival was the picture of just the, like, open face like cheese sandwich where it was just like two pieces of bread and some cheese and like lettuce and tomato with like no dressing and it said something about like yeah like the four star meals here at fire like (laughs) glad I paid $250,000 for this and they talked about how there was one this one tweet from Kendall Jenner that cost or was one Instagram post from Kendall Jenner that cost $250,000 and it was just this orange square and that's what sold and created this festival and got them all this money and then this one picture from this kid with like 400 followers <laughs> just this cheese sandwich that was the it like destroyed Ruined the internet the festival like that was it there was no saving this there was no pretending that anything else happened like it was done it was done so so then people were like trying to get by the way remember they they moved to this island and there was like already like there was other shit on this island there is a, fu- a festival that happens on that island that they happen to be there for that weekend, too, right? So they're, they're, they, these people couldn't just go to the hotel, go to the Sandals, because the hotel was completely booked. Yep. There were no rental cars anywhere. There was nothing, because that had been booked way in advance, because that happens every year, and that's their biggest weekend. So there was like, they were literally trapped there, okay? 
like all weekend. I feel bad for them, but then again, I don't. I don't. Right. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Um, and so they went, uh, so a bunch of them like went back to the airport and they couldn't get them all out of there. Like they didn't have flights for them. So like they got as many people out as they could. And then at night they would just fucking lock them in the airport, <laughs> like chain up the doors and they were just trapped in the airport until they could get back out. At least they weren't stuck in a tent. It's true. The airport is probably yeah better than the tent. Um, so yeah. Uh, so then that's what happened with the fire festival. Um, Billy McFarlane owes money all over the place because he's a fucking fraudster left and right. And he would sell things. This is how it worked with the fire festival, too. Like, he would sell these this cabana experience and sell, like, this fucking villa and this, that, and the other when they were things that, like, he didn't have them to sell, thinking that he could, like, make the money to make those things happen if he sold all these things. So he was selling all these things that he didn't have, yeah. okay, th- these experiences that didn't exist, right? Yeah. That's a thing that he's, like, really good at, okay? So... That's his special skill. That's, like, his thing. So he was paying off all this money that he owed from Magnesis, from the metal credit card thing, with Fire Festival money. And then he was trying to make Fire Festival happen with all this money. And then, like, um, there was this conversation with the people for the app where he was telling them, basically, (laughs) he was like... He was like, we're not firing anybody, but, like... Firing. He's like, we're not firing anybody, but we, like, currently don't... Like, we're going to stop paying. Like, we don't have the money to pay people. What is this, the government? Well, and then this girl was like, so you're not laying us off so that we can file unemployment benefits. You're asking us all to just quit. And he was like, I don't know how this affects unemployment benefits. (laughs) She was like, oh, honey. Um girl Hi. so that's where this level of like does he's he really dumb. are you dumb or are he's you dumb you think he's that, trump dumb well and then the the hulu documentary is the one that's more because you actually see them interview him and it starts with him they let him try and come off as really friendly like it's just funny how like you know they lured him in with this idea of like maybe like redeem yourself kind of thing mm-hmm. but then by the end of it like they're asking him the hard questions and you're watching him like he just can't he cannot tell the truth. Like he's incapable. It's in, it's crazy to watch. Like you watch him just like try and figure out and he knows he can't answer honestly. So like you're just watching him like calculate in his head and it's just really crazy to watch. Um, so then there's like this phone call that you hear where it's like all the people from fire media, which is like the app talking with like the fire festival people. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to fix this? How can we come back from this? And jaw rule is on the call. And then the guy who's, like, the head of the app is, like, well, like, you sold membership. You sold these things that you didn't have. Like, that's fraud. You committed fraud. And Ja Rule is, like, no, this isn't fraud. This is uh, this is false advertising. <laughs> that's what fraud is. They're all, oh, my God, they're but all I Trump. Don't, there, so there's this question of, like, what is his involvement? What is Ja Rule's involvement? How much did he know about, like, what was and wasn't happening? Um, I never thought I would ask the question, how much does John ja Rule know? <laughs> um, so from there, he, uh, he like was arrested for wire fraud, mostly for things not even dealing yet with fire fraud stuff, with fire, um, dealing with like Magnesis and a little bit of fire investor shit. While he was out on bail, 
Okay. So he's already out on bail for being arrested for this. Fire Festival Part 2. He starts this new thing called NYC VIP Access, um, where he's emailing these people. And Sarah, it's the people that bought tickets to Fire Festival. <laughs> they didn't unsubscribe from that email list. He just took those email addresses and made oh a new email address, God. a new email, a new listserv. And he was like, I know what you guys like. You want to be part of the New York City VIP Access Club? Right. With this guy, Frank. Only $250,000. And they start sending people these emails for tickets, again, that they don't have. So, like, $250 tickets to see Hamilton. Oh, my God. Tickets to see Beyonce and Jay-Z. They were selling tickets to the Met Gala. (gasps) Which I don't know if you know, you cannot buy tickets to the Met no. Gala. It's invite only. It's people who are pre-chosen by oh Anna Winter. Oh my god! You can't buy tickets to the Met Gala. So they're sending out all these emails, and from all the emails that they sent out while he was on bail, girl, he made another hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and again, welcome to America. Got arrested, and that was like he got arrested for wire fraud for those for NY for NYC VIP access. So he posted bail with his hundred thousand dollars. How much you make the third time around? Well, they finished the trial, and in October he was sentenced to six years in prison. That's it. So that's it. So Billy McFarland is currently in prison, serving time. We don't know if we've seen the last of him. We have it, but don't trust those emails. He has a girlfriend that's in the Hulu documentary who he met after this whole fiasco. And she's like this beautiful European model. Who, of course. Of course, believes it's all just this big misunderstanding because Billy has told her everything. And he's made some mistakes, but like it's a huge misunderstanding. He didn't do anything to hurt anybody. He's just, you know, he's just misunderstood. You guys can't see it, but my face says, fuck that. Ask me some questions. I You answered all of them as you were talking. I was like, Did I had questions, but then you started answering them where I was just like, okay, 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 okay. okay. I'm, I I, I want to watch the documentary. You should so watch bad. both of them. I watched. I like want to go home right now and watch them. I watched the Netflix one first and the Hulu one second. Even what do you recommend Hulu watching first? Drop first. Um... So I will say the Netflix one, the reason I like the Netflix one better is because they have a lot more of that behind the scenes footage because they have all that shit from the promotional video. Mm -hmm. And because Billy McFarland is a jackass who has people film him doing everything, including the NYC VIP access thing where like he's sending out these emails and the cameras are rolling. He's like, no, I found it. Like it's better to have you know footage of everything. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. You're so fucking stupid. Like you're asking people to film you while you're doing Things that you that are illegal. Like, do you not know that they're illegal? If the president doesn't get arrested for it, why should he feel like he's going to get in trouble? Oh, I'm, this I'm is sure the standard we've set for our country. Um, but anyway, I feel like the Netflix one is more for people who already kind of knew what happened, like the story, and were just like, I need, I need to understand how this happened. Okay, so that was really good. And the Hulu one, I feel like, describes it more for people who literally have not heard of this and don't know what it is. And they explain a lot about, like, millennial mentality. And it just makes me nuts because I'm like, you're talking about rich millennials who are very different from most millennials. And a very small minority. Yes. 
And that's even a thing that Billy says when they're like partying and talking about what they're even trying to sell. And he says that like they're selling a dream to your average loser. And it just makes me nuts because like there's nothing average about anybody who would fucking buy a ticket to Fire Festival. No. Like nothing remotely. These aren't the people who have been working. No. And are a part of your community. I mean, the Jesus. one guy in the Hulu documentary who worked for Fuck Jerry at the time, but does not anymore. So he gives you some insight, too. But he was the one that was running their campaign for Fuck Jerry. Um, and he said that people were emailing him, like, that they had, you know, given up whatever to go to this festival. And I'm just like. Whatever. I don't. Right. Thank you. I'm like, I don't really feel for those people. No, I feel really bad for the people, again, on the island, the natives like who work there and didn't get paid. And the woman who spent her life savings to feed everybody, to pay everybody. I feel bad for them. And I feel bad for the people that were working on the app that were not in any way involved with the festival who all lost their jobs. And some of them went into debt because he put debt in their name God. for the festival. And I feel Jeez. bad for those people. Right. That's awful. But as far as like you fucking rich kids who went and got trapped on a fucking. I hope it happens to you again. (laughs) I heard about this other thing called the Fee Ray Festival. It's uh, Irish. So you guys should check it out. $255,000 paid directly to me through my PayPal or Venmo. I take Venmo. Uh, It's going to be really cool. You're going to be in uh, Villas. Tickets are non-refundable and non-redeemable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And one person per ticket, and uh, you have to have a ticket to get there, and you have to have a ticket to leave. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you got a ticket to get the fuck out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Fire Festival, fucking crazy. Please watch both documentaries. I started with Netflix. Um you know, if you do it that way, of I course, might the start sequel with isn't, 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 isn't yeah. better. Right? So you can start with Hulu if you want. Um, but the Netflix one, I feel like it gets it, it gets deeper, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, there's a little more emotional weight to the Netflix one than the Hulu one. The Hulu one is like a hard news documentary. Yeah. Um, that's that's also that about something first. really ridiculous. But the Netflix one really, like, brings you in. And you see, even though Hulu has... That interview with Billy McFarland, Netflix has a lot more of that behind the scenes, like what Billy McFarland was like while it was all happening footage. Yep. So check it the fuck out. It's crazy. <sighs> That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy, girl. That's crazy, girl. I was really, really, really excited to talk about it. I'm excited that you talk. I was excited to hear you talk about it. Good. I'm excited to go watch these documentaries because I haven't watched nuts. them. You guys watch them and tell us what you thought about them. And you can tell us by... <laughs> by sliding into our DMs, either on Facebook or Instagram. We are Dead Time Stories, all one word with a Z on Instagram. Our email address is Dead Time Stories with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. We yes. love all the times that you talk to us. And if you want a sticker from us, you can get one by giving us a review, preferably five stars, on Facebook on iTunes those are super super crucial and they help bring in new people and that's super important to keep us going seriously guys Um, for real do that review take a screenshot slide into our DMs or email it to us with your address and we will send you a motherfucking sticker motherfucking sticker right for you love it we love it we have a lot of stickers we'd love to give you a sticker so leave us a review leave us a note we love you we love you thank you guys thank you so much for listening we're gonna see you next week Tune in for Dead Time Stories.
Don't buy tickets to Fire Festival. I'm Stephanie. She's Sarah. Thanks for listening. That's true. Yeah, that's who we are. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 